0: If you please stand with us, let our praise be a welcome. Let our songs be a sign. We are here for you. Yes, we are here for you. Let your breath. From heaven, fill our hearts with Your light. We are here for You. Yes, we are here for You. To You, our hearts are open.
1: This beautiful Lord's Day where we can come together and worship our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. If you're a guest today, know we're excited you're worshiping with us. hope you'll take time to uh, to fill out the guest card on the side of your bulletin. You can tear that off and fill that out and drop it in the offering plate here in just a little bit so we can learn more about you and hopefully have an opportunity to share with you more about uh, who we are here at Northside. Right now we're going to take a moment to greet each other so if you see someone you don't recognize, be sure to go say good morning and we'll continue worshiping together here in just a couple of moments.
0: You use the but your blood, King Jesus. Your cross testifies in grace, tells of the Father's heart to make a way for us. Now boldly we approach not by earthly confidence, it's only by your love and grace tells of the Father's heart to make a way for us now boldly we approach not by earthly confidence it's only by your blood.
2: doesn't mean that he's not listening. And the darkness doesn't mean that he is gone. Because he promised he Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is.
1: Alright, well good morning boys and girls. How's everybody doing today? Good. Good. Does anybody know what's going on tomorrow? What's that? A solar eclipse, which is different than a lunar eclipse in that the sun is what's being eclipsed rather than the moon. Well, so I guess with a solar eclipse you guys can just go outside in the yard and stare up at the sun, right? No. No, 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 no. Of course. You can't do that. You can't do that at all. So so instead of going out and looking at the sun, maybe you just need to go to the store and get you some sunglasses, and then you can go out and look up at the sun, right? No? You can't do that either? But I've got sunglasses on. Aren't sunglasses supposed to protect my eyes from the sun? No, the moon covers the sun. These are still not dark enough to, 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 to let me be able to see the sun. And here, you can't look at it at all. If you're further north Georgia, you can actually look up during the... Called totality when the sun's completely blocked out, but even here you've got to have something special over your eyes, and, and so some, that something special probably looks something like this. Uh, today's uh, today's solar eclipse glasses are sponsored by Zaxby's, uh, so so these. Now here's the deal: I can't see anything. I can't see you guys at all. You're not here. In oh. fact. In fact, the only thing I can see in this room would you believe this is this one spotlight right here I can see the I can see what's called the filament inside that one spotlight. i can't see anything else in this room except for, except for that one spotlight. Well, that tells me that these glasses are probably going to be good for me to go out and be able to look up at the sun tomorrow when when the eclipse happens right So hopefully you guys have got some of these. Um, you't hopefully you do um, so so, no, you can't try those on. Those are very valuable, sir. Uh, they may be for sale after service to the highest bidder. Um, so, so interesting. What does the Bible say? Is there something we can learn about this from what the Bible says? It says in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 16, that God alone has immortality. That mean, means he is forever. And it says that he dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. The Bible says that God dwells in light that's unapproachable. Well, when I think about unapproachable light, I think about light that I can't possibly consider, I can't possibly look at. Even with even the sun is approachable if I have the right kind of glasses on to be able to look at that light. I looked at the sun earlier with those glasses on, and you can see it. It's, uh, you can see it clear as day. And so even that light is something that I can look at uh, with, my, with my special glasses on. But the Bible says that God dwells in light that is unapproachable. It means that we can't behold it, we can't look at it, we can't come near it unless we have some help. Just like I can't look at the sun without damaging my eyeballs unless I've got some help. If I've got some help, I can go look at that sun, and I've got good glasses that help me be able to look at the sun. So what could we possibly need help with to be able to, 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 to actually see, see who God is in this unapproachable light? You know what it is? It's Jesus. Jesus helps us. You know how Jesus helps us? He helps us with his blood. His blood washes our sins away. And when we're sinless, when our sins are washed away, when we stand before God in heaven one day, we'll be perfect. We won't have sin anymore in our lives. And then we'll be able to see the Lord, but only through the help that we get from Jesus. And so it's important, boys and girls, and all the folks who are in the room today, that we understand that that we can't see God unless we get help. And that help comes through the form of Jesus, who died on the cross, paid the penalty for our sins, offers to take our sins away, that we might be righteous and holy before God. Okay? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for giving us a way to see you in the light. Uh, And it only comes through help. It only is found in the help that Jesus gives. And so I thank you for that, Lord. Just like the special glasses helps us to see the eclipse tomorrow, the blood of Jesus helps us to stand before the Lord one day in unapproachable light. But God, we'll be holy and righteous because of Jesus. And we're thankful for that. Thank you for helping us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. You go to Children's Church. Please remain standing as we share God's word together. Somebody said I look like Elton John wearing my eclipse glasses up here for for the children's sermon. He gets a good introduction, though. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Elton John. I mean, Sir Elton John, though, he's knighted now. That could work. So, anyway, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the the clear instruction that we have in scripture, God, of how we should go about our business and live our lives in a way that's pleasing and honoring to you. God, I pray that you might uh, guide our conversation here in these next few moments together. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. You can be seated. We begin today, uh, I guess, kind of a soft start. Next week, we'll be in full swing with our discipleship courses on Sunday night. Uh, And so I'd ask uh, ask BJ and Truman if uh, they wanted to come up and give a little spiel about their uh, their discipleship courses that, that they'll be teaching. BJ's class will actually start today. And it will be offered at 4 o'clock. Uh, so if you're an Awana worker who, uh, who typically can't connect with these discipleship classes because of your schedule, uh, we're going to try to offer you some more things at 4 o'clock so you have access to those. That will actually begin today. And then uh, the other two classes for adults, uh, the uh, uh, class on the Apostles' Creed and then the uh, uh, class about uh, evangelism will actually start next Sunday. Uh, so tonight we'll have our youth Our wana and our parenting class will be starting tonight, then the other two will actually begin next Sunday. Uh, I don't see, where's Truman? There he is. You want to come on up and share a little bit about it, BJ? You want to share anything? You don't have to, there's no arm twisting or anything like that.
3: So I almost freaked out. I got up here and I didn't know what to say. But anyway, I am going to be teaching a book starting next Sunday night, Sharing Jesus Without Freaking Out. (laughs) We freak out about many things in our lives. And one of them is is when we walk up to someone needing to talk to them about Jesus, Jesus has put them in front of us and we freak out and don't do it. This book is going to help us To learn how to overcome that freaking out, I look forward to all of you being there. I've got a sign-up sheet out uh, in the foyer, so please sign up so we know how many books to get. Thank you. Thank you. With the with the parenting class that begins tonight, uh, you don't have to have a teenager to to come to the to the meeting to to attend this class. It's just six weeks, Uh, and part of part of doing this is if you have children that aren't quite teenagers yet. It's a good thing to go ahead and kind of start thinking along those lines. It's kind of like waiting until after you're married to, to figure out if you should be married and figure out how to be married. I mean, it, it might be beneficial to, to study what a good marriage is before you get married. Um, but I'll, I'll just say this. Ten years of someone's life, say from the ages of 14 to 24, those 10 years, look at that window in your own in your own life. Think of the decisions you made between the ages of 14 and 24. How important were those in determining really the rest of your life? It's important that we think through how we're going to guide our teenagers into becoming mature adults. I would love for you to be a part of the class that we're doing. Again, we start at 4 o'clock today, and that means there's no parent meeting for teenagers this afternoon. I sent you an email this week with lots of details in that, and if it took you less than an hour to read through that, then I saved you some time. Um, But there's no parent meeting at at, at 430 this afternoon. Uh, If you did not get that email, then you need to let me know so I can include you on my list. Thank you.
1: All right. And uh, I'll be teaching a... Course through um, uh, that Matt Chandler has put together on the Apostles' Creed to reconnect with some one of the probably the most historic confessions of faith that we have in the in the the Christian Church. So we'll be working through that on Sunday night, starting next week at six o'clock. So hopefully those times are clear. Uh, there's also uh, upward coaches and refs meeting today at four o'clock. So uh, so there's several things going on today at four, uh, and uh, hopefully you can you can be where you need to be. Uh, at the right time, they do need a few more folks to help with upwards. So, if you do want to uh, volunteer with that, particularly in being a prayer warrior and some referees, um, please see Beth Van Sant for that. Um, we have been working through Paul's practical theology, and over the last several weeks, we've talked about these these different areas of just practical practical Christianity, what it looks like for us as we follow Jesus, as we talk about the importance of being honest, uh, the danger of anger, uh, about theft and... and not just the, the criminal in the jail, but but how we all are guilty of of, of stealing from time to time. Last week we talked about profanity and, and how our words should be pure, how our, our words reflect our heart. And we will continue to build on this, list, on this list as we move further on into chapter 5. I know that there's a lot of husbands who were eager for us to get to the end of chapter 5 there. Um, but it will take us a little while to get there, uh, so, uh, so just hang tight, gentlemen. We'll get there eventually, but, but understand that after the fellas, we get our way at the end of chapter 5, the ladies also get their way at the end of chapter 5, so it's not everything that you hope it will be. But before we get into chapter 5, I want us to deal with these concluding two verses that remind us of how things should function here, what this body should look like, particularly when we talk about relationships. Everyone, regardless of what their faith background is, regardless of where they go to church, if they go to church, regardless of what they believe, everyone understands that relationships are important. Matter of fact, if you just do a simple internet search, you will find that there are magazine articles from business publications like Forbes to peer-reviewed studies in psychological journals to tabloid-esque articles that probably belong in the trash that tell us about how important people deem relationships to be. And that's all types of relationships, from the relationship that we have with friends and peers to the relationship that we have with colleagues that we work with to the relationships that we have in our families as we talk about marriage and parenting relationships and things like that. But we are living in a day, interestingly enough, as connected as we are where meaningful relationships are becoming harder and harder to develop. Researcher Gene Twinge noticed this in an article that was published in The Atlantic Twinge argued that today's teenagers—and not picking on them at all—we um, don't have a name for this generation yet. The post millennials is what they generally are called. Uh, some are calling them the i generation uh, after the iPod and iPhone. That so some of y'all are like what's an iPod? Um, have so so dramatically affected them. Uh, Twinge says that this generation are they are psychologically in jeopardy. That the, Our current teenagers are psychologically in jeopardy. She cites skyrocketing teen suicide and depression rates, and she argues that we actually have equipped this generation to be in the jeopardy that they're in. A couple of Wednesday nights ago, we were having a little dialogue and during our prayer meeting about the differences between generations, and, and somebody spoke up and said, said, well, you know, these millennials, that's the everybody gets a trophy generation. And they felt pretty good about themselves, to which a millennial quickly retorted and said, yeah, but you're the ones that gave us the trophies. I said, good job. Way to stick up for yourself as a millennial. Twins cited an interview with an anonymous teenager. She said that she spent most of her summer hanging out alone in her room with her phone. That's just the way this generation is, she said. We didn't have a choice to know any life without iPads or iPhones. I think that we like our phones more than we like actual people. That's how a teenager cited their own life. Statistics are alarming. Relationships are in jeopardy. From boomers to Gen Xers, about 85% of us went on a date during the senior year, our senior year in high school. Um, if you were part of that 15%, I'm sorry. But about 85% of us went on a date during our senior year. For post-millennials, the generation that we're talking about now, only 56% of post-millennials go on a date during their senior year. It just shows you how different things are now for these, for these teenagers as they're, as they're kind of coming of age in this isolated um, isolation that we've created for them. So we understand the importance of relationships, yet we are living in a day where real, tangible human relationships are becoming fewer and fewer in number. And we are seeing more and more our digital life pretending to be a viable substitute for real human interaction. And guess what? It comes up short every time. You may strive to get likes on Instagram and strive to get retweeted as much as you can. You may put things to get Facebook likes and comments and things like that. But all of that comes up short compared to real tangible human relationships. Now hear me correctly. I appreciate the opportunities that new technologies and social media has afforded us. Uh, I appreciate the opportunities that it gives us. You may have noticed that we started streaming our worship services. We're working the kinks out of that. trip has been working really hard to get that up and running and we are grateful for that. Um, last week we had 150 people online view our worship service online. One hundred and fifty people viewed that service online. The talent show got even more views. Two hundred and thirty two people watched the talent show online. I told the guys that were our m c s from the talent show last night that they were viral internet sensations. If you don't know what that means, that's okay. they did, and it was a compliment uh, by the way if you if We'd like to make that even better than it currently is. We need about $3,000 of equipment upgrades to make, that, to make that as good as we can possibly make it. We've done a lot of stuff with Band-Aids and duct tape, but to really do it right, we need about $3,000 to upgrade some equipment that we've got. If you'd like to help with that, uh, we certainly would, would love for you to help with that. This is not a sermon about you helping our, our audio service, but we do have some needs there. If you'd like to help with that, feel free to, to donate to that. If you're out of town, if you're stuck in bed, if you're stuck at work, you can visit this website, facebook.com slash NBC Noonan. You don't have to have a Facebook account to be able to view it. You don't have to have a Facebook account. You can go to the website, and you can view it there. Uh, now, this is not a substitute. You know, this is not, oh, I can sleep in and stay in my jammies and go to church. It's not. That's not what it, this is. That's not what that's for. This is for people who need it and people who we want to be able to to have the body connect as much as possible. This is the old-fashioned tape ministry with a twist. So if you've got a computer and internet in your home, you can access this and view it at home. There's about two or three people I checked before I came up here that are watching live right now with us, so I'm going to wave to them because they're watching live right now on the internet with us. Um, That's a great opportunity. That's a great tool that this technology affords and and is made available to folks, and people are taking advantage of that. It's a way of making sure that people are able to stay connected with church, even if they're out for a prolonged illness, um, as, as we know some folks who are, or even if they're away for work and things like that. It's a great opportunity to stay connected. As I said last week, there's benefit in sharing some things. I try to share things that are funny. I found a wrecked car of a, of a Mitsubishi Eclipse and put on the Internet this morning and said, said I saw a partial eclipse and it's not even the 21st yet. Uh, there are some things that are, that are fine to share. They make us laugh and they, they, they encourage uh, interaction and things like that, but then there are some things that don't need to be shared. The Internet is no substitute. A video, while it may be helpful in its proper context... It cannot replace real people, and so while I may have waved to the people who are watching live, I will encourage the people who are watching live to get better and come back and worship with us as quickly as possible, because it's no substitute for the real thing. And while it may be the introvert's dream come true, to be able to sit at home in your PJs, watch a service on the television, we must still remember how to come out of the house every once in a while and interact with folks in the real world. I'm an introvert. It wouldn't hurt my feelings to stay in the house as long as I needed to, to, to take care of things. But it's important to remember what it takes to come out and deal with real people in the real world. And the Apostle Paul is very much aware of what needs to happen to make these relationships function as they are intended. And so if I needed to title of today's message, I would call it Relationship Goals from the Apostle Paul. Wait. Hashtag relationship goals from the Apostle Paul. That hashtag, by the way, relationship goals, was used over nearly six million times in Instagram posts. Uh, it is basically what teenagers look at a relationship that they, that they think is good, and they put that in their post as a way of, of separating it so folks will notice it. But I don't know that Paul is using it in quite the same context. Relationships, as I said, doesn't matter if they are... If they are business, if they're romantic, if they are familial, if they're friendly, it doesn't matter. Uh, We know relationships are important. And we know that real relationships are important, not this semi-charmed existence that we cultivate in our news feed. But what does the Apostle Paul have to tell us about relationships? Look what he says here. He says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. These are attitudes that if you've ever experienced these attitudes, you know that they'll kill a relationship. Uh, if these attitudes are present, uh, present in marriage, you know that it kills that relationship. If these attitudes are present in business relationships, how many of you would love to work with somebody who is bitter and full of wrath and anger and they shout all the time and they're slandering people? Would anybody want to go to work with that person? Well, of course not. Of course not. That's not a desire. None of those are desirable characteristics. These are relationship Killers. And if we see these in the church, they will destroy the church. However, if you'd like to see relationships flourish, then it would be good to listen to what Paul says here. He says to put these things away. Put these things away. Again, this sounds like a list of of characteristics that that you if you heard that, you would say, This this sounds like a terrible person, right? Man, oh so and so. All he does is, is, is he's full of, of wrath and anger and he's bitter. That's all he does. He, he yells all the time. He's all the time talking bad about me behind my back. If you knew somebody like that, you would not friend them on Facebook. You would not enjoy being in their company. They aren't someone that you would want to be around. It seems like a pretty terrible person that we're describing here. And it all basically stems from this big root sin that Paul lists at the end, and the word is malice. Malice. It's a word we don't use a whole lot of today. Malice. What exactly does the word malice mean? Well, malice is is the root. And the rest of these, these characteristics that he lists, that's the fallout of allowing unchecked malice into our lives. So if you've got malice, guess what you're going to have as a result of that? The fruit of malice in your life is bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander. If you let malice take up home in your heart, then you're going to be known as somebody who has these other characteristics. The thing is, malice is not always noticeable. But the fruit of malice is... The Greek word for malice is kakia, and I I said the the Apostle Paul might say kakia is not the same thing as khaki, so let's be sure so so we understand that. Kakia is a junk drawer word in the New Testament. It's just like the word for sexual immorality doesn't give us a list of things you ought not do. It's a junk drawer word that everything kind of dumps into. Well, this word kakia that we translate into malice is really kind of a junk drawer word it generally refers to an evil disposition in your hearts that is most frequently directed at other people. That kakia, malice, is an evil disposition in our hearts that is frequently directed at other people. And we can see it manifest in all sorts of ways. If you've ever counseled a child in putting their faith and trust in Jesus, you will notice that kakia is really the sin that they become the the most aware of, even though they're not necessarily aware of it. Does that make sense? Of course not. So when you look at a child and you try to counsel a child on what sort of sins that they've been engaged in, you are helping them identify sins of malice. What sort of, what's the fruit of sins of malice in a child's heart? Are you mean to your sibling? Have you ever counseled a kid with a brother and sister who didn't have that sin issue? I've counseled adults who still have that sin issue, for crying out loud. It's not just kids. Well, that's malice. That's a fruit of malice. Have you ever counseled a child, talked to a child who's, who's ready to give their life to Christ and, and they're disobeying their parents and there's this, this, this bent towards disobeying there? Well, that's, that's malice. That's a fruit of, of malice, that evil disposition that's, that's driven towards other people. Uh, this is the root sin that causes us to disobey our parents, to be mean to our siblings, to cut the whiskers off the cat. Don't ask me about that last one. It's um, It's funny. But it's malice. Uh, that's what drives us in that regard. That's, that's malice that is, that is working inside of us. And so, relationally speaking, we have this, this list of manifestations of malice. What does Paul say here? He talks about bitterness. Bitterness. So you know anybody that's bitter? You ever, no, you ever been bitter yourself? Well, bitter is that long term consequence of unresolved conflict. If you have relationships where you have unmet needs or you've got conflict that goes unresolved, that results in bitterness. Wrath and anger are actually kind of synonyms. They're synonyms for, for the kind of anger that Paul tells us to, uh, uh, to or it's okay to have in, earlier in verse 26. You remember he said, be angry but don't sin? Uh, well, this is the type of anger and wrath that the Apostle Paul is is actually telling us is is dangerous. This is anger where the sun has gone down on it. This is anger that is motivated by selfishness, not selflessness. And so this is the kind of anger that we don't want. We talk about anger that allows us us to, to, to have righteous indignation where we're angry about the right things and we deal with it in an appropriate way. When we're talking about anger and wrath here, we're talking about anger and wrath that stems from selfishness. So if you know somebody who's constantly angry at everything and it's not righteous indignation, they're not angry about abortion, they're not angry about injustice, they're angry about perceived wrongs, well, this is anger and wrath that stems out of, out, of a, out of a contrary heart. Then he goes on he talks about clamor. What's clamor? Clamor is shouting! That's what clamor is. So if you're somebody who constantly argues and you think shouting is an appropriate way for you to engage in argumentation, guess what? It's not. It's not. There's never a time that shouting is an appropriate way unless you're at a football game and the refs are wrong. Then it's okay to shout. There's never a time in a relationship status where it's okay to engage in shouting unless you're shouting for their own benefit and good. Like, get out of the road! I mean, that's shouting that's appropriate. But when you're arguing with somebody because you've had, a, you've had a disagreement, there's never a time where clamor is an appropriate response to that. Some of us say, well, I've got an anger issue, and so because of my anger issue, it's okay for me to yell at people that I'm angry at. And the Bible says, no, it's not. Put clamor away from you. You have no business raising your voice in, in clamor. You have no business in shouting at people. That's no, there's no, it's not appropriate for us. Likewise, slander takes it one step further. It's not just yelling at people. Slander is when you begin to tell lies and dishonest things about people. And so it's when I'm angry, I'm bitter, and I'm so bitter that I don't want to just yell at them and be angry at them. I want to tarnish them around other people. And we do this. We do this with a gossiping tongue. We do this so frequently where we, we spread things that, that aren't quite true. And they may not be completely right or completely wrong, but they're just not quite true. And that's enough to do damage to people. And these are things that ought not have any, any place in our lives. There's no room for this in our hearts. As Christians and we are in relationship together, we should not harbor these feelings towards anyone, particularly not anyone within the body of Christ. But that's the problem with the sin of malice. If it's a sin that we haven't started to understand and wrestle with, then we might find that we're already ready to engage in a verbal or, heaven forbid, a physical brawl at any time. Because we've allowed malice to set up shop in our hearts, and so we're quick to lash out of it at any time. So if you're walking around today and you've got a lot of bitterness and anger, if you're predisposed to shouting... If you're quick to share a hateful story about someone, then these are all symptoms of a heart that's tainted with malice. If you're in marriage and your MO is to shout at each other, if you've got unresolved conflict from someone from a long time ago, you need to be mindful of the nature of malice in your hearts and the fact that it should have no place in the life of a Christian. So those are the thou shalt nots here. As again, Paul has given us throughout this section of practical theology a list of this is what you shouldn't do. But then he's also good in that he gives us what the, what the alternative is. So we put away all this stuff. We put away bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and, and, and slander. We put these things away. But if we take all that away, what do we want in its place? Right? So we don't want all this bad stuff. We want some good stuff there in its place. And so Paul tells us that. So the hallmark of the Christian when it comes to our relationships is not malice. Instead, tender-heartedness, forgiveness, kindness. Well, these are our relationship goals. Kindness, tender-heartedness. What is that? Well, that refers to the character of how we deal with each other. What if we were kind to each other? What if we were kind to each other? Now, this is revolutionary. Um, so, So, you know... This is; these are revolutionary relationship goals here. That if we are kind to each other, are you ready? What if we smiled at each other? You know, some of us come to church and it looks like we've been weaned on a dill pickle. You know, what if we were to actually smile at each other? What if we were to actually smile at people when we pass each other in the hallway? Now, this takes it one step further. What if not only did we smile at each other, that we, when we encountered each other, we actually spoke? I know, I know, I'm asking a lot. We're all digitally plugged in, and now we, we have to tweet each other and text each other. But what if you actually looked at somebody in the eye and said, Good morning. Again, we're laughing, kind of that uncomfortable laugh, because we know there's a a tremendous degree of truth in that. We, We know there's a tremendous degree of truth that's there. We can't smile at each other and talk to each other when every time this vibrates in our pocket, we have to deal with it. You can't. You can't. And for some of us, we're more concerned about the relationships that live here than the relationships that live here. And that's dangerous. Again, tools are useful, and tools should, be, tools should be used for what they're for. But some tools can, take our, can really take our lives. What if we were kind and did things like hold the door? We were polite. Now, when I was a kid, these are things that my mom and daddy taught me but it's not happening for so many of us today. This gets into things like serving one another. That's what kindness looks like when we, when we treat each other as they used to teach in school, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, that's really what kindness looks like. And I love that rule as a principle because I like to banter with people. If you know me and you're my friend, that one of the, one of the best ways that I know that I get along with you is if we can cut up with each other. And give each other a hard time and rib each other. Well, I enjoy doing that, and and it's how I know I've got a good friend when they know what my what I can what we can do together. That's not me being mean. That's not me being ugly, and I don't take it that way either. It's it's a, it's 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 just banter. It's 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 giving each other a hard time. We that's okay, because it's in a way being kind. What's tender-heartedness? Tender-heartedness is another word for compassion. It's about our ability to empathize with one another. You may not understand each other. I don't pretend to understand every problem that everyone who comes to me has. If someone comes to me and says, I've got an aging parent, and I don't know how to take care of my aging parent, guess what? I've never been down that road. I don't exactly know how to take care of an aging parent, but I can certainly empathize with somebody who's going through that and struggling with that. There's a lot of things that I don't, I can't, I can't understand what it's like, but I can certainly empathize. I can be tender-hearted and show empathy towards someone. Tender-heartedness is simply showing compassion. It's about not necessarily understanding everything, but at least trying to show empathy. Or well, forgiveness? Well, we know what that is. For some of us, dealing with malice in our hearts, that means that we first... And foremost, have to deal with a lack of forgiveness in our lives. It's a terrible thing that happens that we allow bitterness to take hold in our heart. We allow, we allow that to, to grab hold of us and, and never deal with it. And over time, we begin to recognize that we're extending that to other people. And we're not able to show kindness to be, we're not able, not able to deal with people in the, in the right way because we've got a lack of forgiveness in our own lives. Well, these are the hallmarks of what a Christian should be like. Kindness, compassion, forgiveness. So ask yourself, if these are the relationship goals that the Apostle Paul gives us, am I, am I striving towards a good goal? Am I showing compassion towards other people? Am I being tender with other folks? Am I showing kindness to other people? Am I forgiving when things don't go the way I think they should? Or am I allowing malice to take root in my heart? So what are the relationship goals? That's what the Apostle Paul is telling us here. What are your hashtag relationship goals? Well, he's told us what they are. Today, if you're a Christian, your goals need to be to deal with malice and, and, and actively seek and destroy malice that's there. And that's not something you do on your own. The Scripture's full of prayers of search me, seek me, look inside of me, know my heart, and help me deal with the things that you find there. If you've got malice in your heart, that's going to be something that the Holy Spirit's going to need to help you root out. Because it's buried in deep. And it's hard to find. But He wants to help you with that. So if you've got malice in your heart, you need to work on dealing with that. Work on the Holy Help. The, let the Holy Spirit come in and rearrange things in your life so that you can begin to deal with that bitterness, that wrath, that anger, that, that clamor. If you've got an anger issue, then quit, quit using that as a crutch. And say, Lord, I've got an anger problem because there's malice in my heart. Will you send the Holy Spirit to rearrange me? Make me new. Help root that out. We have to pray those type of prayers. To, to to kill this at its source instead of just leaning on it and trying to excuse it. And then major own kindness. Do people know you as a kind person? They know you as a tender hearted, compassionate person? Well, they need to. Why? It's our relationship goal. We need to be kind and tender hearted. Well, today, if you're not a Christian, can I tell you something? That there's an even more critical relationship goal that you need to deal with today. And that relationship goal is the fact that you're you're like that man who's trying to look in the sun and you don't have the right kind of glasses on. One day, you're going to stand before a holy God and you're going to think that maybe you can be there on the basis of your merit and on the basis of your good work and on the basis of what you've accomplished. And the fact of the matter is, like it or not, you don't get to go stand before the Lord on the basis of your own merit. Just like you can't go outside and stare into the blazing sun without the assistance of something else, you don't get to stand before a holy guy without the assistance of someone else, and that someone else is Jesus. If you're here today and that relationship is not right, you're not ever going to get these, these other relationships right. If you don't have the vertical relationship right with the Lord through, through Jesus, these other relationships are they're always going to come up short and unsatisfying. They're always going to. There's no hope for them. So if you're not in Christ today, you've got a critical relationship goal today. And that relationship goal for you today is to say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ, to receive his offer of salvation, to allow his blood to cover you, to wash your sins away, that you might be able to stand before the Lord. Not as an enemy, not as one who is, who is under his wrath, but as one who claims you as a father claims his child. You need to deal with that relationship goal today you pray with me, please? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for, thank you for relationship goals. Lord, to put away bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, shouting and slander and malice, to put those things away and to put on compassion and tenderheartedness, kindness, to extend forgiveness. Lord, the scripture here says that we should forgive as we have been forgiven. So God, last I checked, I've been forgiven of incredible, incredible sins. And so I need to forgive others for sins that they've committed against me. And so Lord, I pray just personally that you'd help me deal with malice that may be in my heart that sometimes shows up as anger and wrath and bitterness but corporately, God, that you would search our hearts, God. And if there's those here today, as as all of us from time to time may struggle with this, God, that you would show us that malice that's there inside of us, that just general evil feeling, ill will that manifests itself towards other people, God, that you would help us to root that out. So that your church, your people, God, would not be known as people who are bitter and angry and full of wrath, Lord, but that we would be a people who are known as a kind people, as a compassionate people, as a people who forgive. those are good relationship goals that you've given us in your word today. But God, I pray specifically for the person in the room today, God, who's not got his relationship right with you because he's never received the gift of salvation through Jesus. I pray today, God, that he would recognize his need for salvation and he'd put his faith and trust in Christ alone and would fix that relationship with you. Thank you, God, for your word and for how it teaches us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and have a time of invitation. If you'd like to pray, you're welcome to. If you'd like to ask God to reveal malice in your life, I promise you he'll do it because he do not want you walking around with malice in your life. If you're here, you need to get your vertical relationship right with the Lord as well. You can do that. Come forward and say, Pastor, I'd like to get saved today. Let's stand together and sing and respond as the Lord leads. It's been good to worship Jesus today. Amen. Uh, read your bulletin. and pay attention to the announcements that are contained therein. Uh, one update on the calendar, there has been a breakfast that was planned a week from yesterday next Saturday. That's been postponed until a little later in the fall, uh, so give some more time to get that together. So if you were planning on a, on a, on a good breakfast on Saturday, then go to Waffle House. Uh, so, uh, uh, but uh, that's been postponed for a little bit, and uh, we'll, we'll give you an update on that time and calendar when, uh, when we have that ready. Um, and uh, do pay attention to everything. It's a busy, busy, busy time and uh, I want to make sure that I covered everything that was on my list here. Uh, Awkward silence. Um, I think that's it. Uh, So don't forget, tonight, if you're in the parenting class, that'll start tonight at 4. The other two classes for adults will actually begin next Sunday. Awana starts today as well as our youth discipleship as well. Uh, So important to pay attention to that calendar so you know what's going on. Uh, Daniel Power, if you don't mind dismissing us in prayer, please, brother.